And welcome to the Nate Taylor Show. I'm Jay Binkley with Nate Taylor. Give him a follow on Twitter at ByNateTaylor. Looks cold in Buffalo, man, from Monday Night Football tonight. <laughs> yeah, AFC, baby. baby. Showdown. Patriots and Bills. It was snowing earlier. Mac Jones tweeted out. He's never seen snow. Yeah, he is a southern boy. Uh, get used to that. Oh, look at that. Um, oh, it's coming down, man. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm I'm sure Chiefs fans are wondering, Jay, who should they root for tonight? Yeah, what should they do? Root for chaos. Root for an overtime game. Uh, I think for playoff purposes, Chiefs fans should actually probably root for the Bills. Because I think Bill Belichick has the Patriots looking mighty, mighty good, especially on defense. Um, but this will be a fun test tonight with Mac Jones, a rookie starting quarterback in a real, you know, tough environment in December for the first time on a big stage on Monday Night Football. And hey, the uh, the Chiefs have the same losses as both of these teams. Yeah, the national narrative will be written tomorrow. We'll beat the Bills. They're for real now. They're getting things turned around, or the Patriots continue their dominance. Mm-hmm. Uh, this trek that they've been on with, with the, uh, what, six straight victories Yes, for the Patriots. Not only that, I heard Colin Cowherd say that the uh, grown-ups are back. Hide the white claws. That's cute and all. <laughs> but Belichick and Brady just kind of pulled up in the driveway. Yeah. The two best coaches in the NFL right now. Their teams are rolling. Chiefs five straight. Chiefs five straight. Andy Reid at some point is going to start to slowly figure this thing out for his for his team. And, the easiest way to get to the playoffs, Jay, we all know it, is to win your division. It is to be dominant against the teams that you will face twice a year. The Chiefs last night in a game that, I mean, was it really ever close despite the scoreboard suggesting otherwise in a 22-9 to commanding win over the Broncos for the 12th straight time? Uh, the, the Chiefs are matching up the things that are necessary to have success in January. Uh, get on a nice winning streak. You know, we we sort of gave them a task in the middle of the season. Hey, oh, can you get one win? Can you get two wins? Now it's five. And they've taken care of the division uh, as much as they can since their loss to the Chargers in week three, um, which will set up a really fun, intriguing five-game stretch down the regular season to see how well this team can continue to play and see if they can catch uh, two teams tonight in either the Patriots and or Bills. Uh, The Ravens lost yesterday. Uh, So let's see, you know, over the next five weeks uh, where this team can go. But it's, it's, it's a good place for them to be right now where they have the same losses as the rest of the contenders in the AFC, and they are winning their divisional games when they absolutely have to. Because the bottom line is there's flaws with every team. I mean, pick, pick your team in the AFC, except New England. They're rolling right now. But early mm-hmm. in the season, how about Miami Dolphins? They won five straight. I mean, yeah. here's the one thing about it is you can find flaws. And the Ravens certainly have them. The football guys have been smiling on that team. And they finally <laughs> didn't smile them on, yeah. on them. Towards the end, Marlon Humphrey gets hurt. So they went for two to win the game. I don't blame John Harbaugh for doing that. Yeah, and but then, the, but and they've then been winning games like this, like 66-yard yeah. field goal against the Lions to beat them. Coming back from 19 points to beat the Colts is a good mm-hmm. win for him. Chiefs fumbling the football at the 34-yard line. Yep. Luck ran out. Now Marlon Humphrey, star cornerback's gone as they take yet another hit going forward. But I look at these teams. Are they getting better? Are they getting worse? Like the Chiefs, honestly, last night, it's been about this defense. This defense has has been, well, it's, it's been ridiculous. 
Last four games, less than 10 points a game. Yeah. Five straight games now of keeping teams under 20 points. No team has gone on a four-game stretch like that this year. Second best uh, since week six, second best scoring defense next to the team you'll see tonight, the Patriots. Last five, 11.2 points a game. Last six, 13.8, and that includes that Titans game. Yes. I had to include that just to kind of show you where <laughs> the average is. But, hey, they held the Titans scoreless in the second half. No, they so did. That, I don't that, think the Titans cared. But. That, that's, what, that's when the – the momentum started rolling for the unit because at least they were getting healthier at that time, and and then Melvin Ingram, you know, was gifted to them by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the in the trade in the trade before the trade deadline. And I don't, I, I spent some time trying to figure out the Orlando Brown deal with the Ravens. Clearly, they beat the Chiefs, so mm-hmm. all's fair with that deal for the Ravens. They they partied like it was nineteen ninety nine when they got the win because <laughs> they beat their nemesis, the Kansas yes. City Chiefs. But twelve straight, you said against. Um, the Denver Broncos, which is what the streak's at now. And we've talked about how long this streak. There was really a couple streaks. Andy Reid, after the bye, was a big topic. Not only did the Chiefs media ask Andy Reid about the bye week success, Vic Fangio yeah. was asked about it too. And he just said, well, Andy Reid wins all the time. It doesn't matter if it's a bye week or not. <laughs> he still wins the game. Regardless, to go to 23, 20 and 3 in the regular season after the bye week. The Raiders next. Chiefs have beaten them 8 of the last 10, 12 and 2 in the last 14, 14 in the last 17. I go on and on. Three of the next five games against the division where Andy Reid is 33 and six since 2015. Yeah. And what this really builds up to is a team that I think, in my opinion, has started to figure out how to limit their weaknesses. But as long as they can play consistently, uh, they are one of the best teams in the AFC. They're one of the teams you can trust. You asked me, Jay, who is getting better? Um, I'm not sure I can say that about the Ravens. Um, we will see tonight with that answer with the Patriots and the Bills. It's a big lemon test on Monday night. It is. It's it a big is. one for the Chiefs. But I can say that the Chiefs are getting better. Like, their defense is getting better. Their quarterback is playing better, even though it's not reflecting on the scoreboard. And we'll get into that yeah. uh, later in the show. Uh, I think the coaching staff has gotten better because uh, what Tyron Matthews said and even Dan Sorsen after the game, they are accentuating the player's strengths, particularly on defense over this last six-game stretch where they're asking players to do things that they can and they're scheming around it and still taking away uh, some talented weapons on the opposing team, right? I mean, C.D. Lamb, we didn't talk about the, the, the Cowboys game, but C.D. Lamb did not have a good first half before he had his head injury. Uh Cortland Sutton, I mean, he they were just dinking and dunking to him. I think Jerry Judy had one nice reception uh, early in the game, but he was that, that's he was, a great, that's a talented limited. wide receiver core. We, it, it is the Broncos have a good roster. Yes, it's someone. To, this is a team in the Denver Broncos. Listen, Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton just got extensions. Yep, meaning mm-hmm. they want them for the long haul to be paired with Jerry Judy, which yes. is an outstanding route runner. Might be the best young route runner in the National Football League. That's what he was known for at Alabama as well. Yes, and Javante Williams. People got a glimpse of how good that North Carolina backfield was last year because mm-hmm. it had Michael Carter and Javante yeah. Williams. Michael Carter, of course, with the New York Jets at this point. But you got to see Javante. Melvin, Melvin Gordon didn't play the game. Didn't need him last night. Noah Fant, Albert O. I mean, it's a talented offense, talented defense. Patrick Sertan. Except for, so they're, like they're, I, they're, I, they're I, pretty big things too, Jay. Well, and I said this before. <laughs> I said this going to season. I, I literally think the Denver Broncos have the second-best roster. Although there is a huge caveat with coach and quarterback. In the division? But top to bottom, the roster I believe is better. 
They have two problems that I think will hold them back. They'll be decent. They'll be good. You know, they'll challenge teams. They can step up and beat them anytime. Ask the Cowboys and ask the Chargers last week. It does happen with this team. Right. But uh, Teddy Bridgewater, one-year contract with them. Now, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. I don't know which direction they're going to go mm-hmm. and if they're going to keep Vic. Because everybody zigged and they zagged when yes. they went at one they offense, of course, they went they defense. defense. Yeah. And they drafted like a two to stop Patrick Mahomes. But those two things, I think, are really hindering the Broncos. Now, they can make a run at the division, they can be a good football team, but they don't have what it takes to get over the hump. I don't think they have what it takes, like Peyton Manning. And obviously, it was about that defense in Denver. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about Peyton Manning, but, right. but they had it was a good nice blend. to have the game manager, Peyton Manning. Yes. What will they do, though? What do you think that Denver and John Elway, as he sat up in that booth and watching that game? Because there's two main things for that team, coach and quarterback. Do they change them both, or do they change just one? There's no way they can go in the next season status quo. Right. I, I think if you're – if everybody is chasing the Chiefs the way we believe so, right? And, and you could ask, you could actually say that the Chargers, who the Chiefs will play in 10 days on Thursday night, uh, they should kind of serve as a model for the Denver Broncos. Uh, they went out and drafted Justin Herbert, and they, they got a coach who was young, uh, who had a nice track record with the uh, Los Angeles Rams. He was a defensive coach as well, Brendan Staley. Um, I don't think they'll go that route, but to your, to your question – um, if the Broncos want to compete, especially with a young roster that I agree uh, is pretty talented, and the window closes pretty quick too if you can't capitalize. Yep, and they've and they've shown they've shown an ability to draft particularly well over the last few years. Uh, they will probably do their best to change at both positions. Um, Vic Fangio is a great defensive mind, but he has not had success as a head coach. And partly that is because um, they have not figured it out at quarterback. So if they can acquire a veteran, talented, perhaps former Pro Bowl or Super Bowl winning quarterback, um, they have the means to go do it. Uh, they have the motivation to go do it because that's the only way that you're going to compete against this team in Kansas City. And then I think from a head coaching standpoint, uh, they can start anew and see if a different philosophy will lead to better results and maybe uh, more competitive games against against the Chiefs. That's that's the biggest thing, you know, for the Chiefs. If you're a Chiefs fan and you're listening right now, you're actually saying, actually, I would like for them to keep Big Fan Gio. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, and like, hey, you know, Teddy's, Teddy's fine when not playing the Chiefs, but he's, he's okay. And you can say the same thing about Las Vegas with, with Derek Carr and – we know the Raiders will eventually hire a new coach uh, in this upcoming hiring cycle. But part of why the New England Patriots, which we will see in a little bit later on tonight in the Monday Night Football game, the reason why they've been so successful, yes, with Tom Brady, yes, with Bill Belichick, is because their division, there was constant turnover. Teams couldn't really figure out a way to have their own sustained success. And the Chiefs are... I think weeks away, Jay, from securing and locking up their sixth straight divisional title. Part of that is because of Andy Reid and the brilliance of Patrick Mahomes and the steady progress that Steve Spagnuolo's defense makes over the course of the year. But part of it, too, is, you know, there haven't been that many threats in the division. And I think the last threat for the Chiefs to sort of relinquish or or sort of, uh, you know, put back in their place is the Chargers in in 10 days. So for the Chiefs, it's it's a nice three-game run. 
You know, they took care of business with yeah, the Broncos. We look at these stretches. We look at these stretches. Three-game stretch here. Yep. Three games against the West in 11 yep. days. Yes. Three in 11 days. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you got the Raiders at home, but then you get to turn around and play Thursday in Los Angeles against a team that has beat you. And that appears to be the toughest challenge, I think, left on the schedule. Um, you could say, you know, yes, the Chiefs play Cincinnati in Cincinnati in January after New Year's Day. They play the Denver Broncos in the regular season. We will see what the significance and or importance of that game is for the regular season finale if the Chiefs have a chance to maybe uh, sneak in and earn the top playoff spot in the AFC and earn a you know first-round buy at home field advantage through the playoffs. Um, but I think the Chargers know that they have to uh, probably win both games this year to either A, win the division, or even B, get into the playoffs themselves. So I think a quick turnaround, as you mentioned, on the road in a primetime game, uh, I find that game to be just as exciting as the one we're going to watch tonight, which is also a divisional round game on a primetime setting. Uh, Chiefs-Chargers will be a lot of fun, but I think I think the Chiefs will go into that game having you know cleared the first two hurdles, but the third one's going to be the hardest. Yeah, this is the night game is lopsided as well. And last year, Buffalo gets a sweep on them. Mm-hmm. They were in transition, the Patriots. But <laughs> they'd won 31-35 with Tom Brady. I mean, wow. they know how to beat the Buffalo Bills. Is that streak, uh, we talk about the streaks in the AFC West, yes. Bill Belichick's dominance over these Buffalo Bills. Uh, we'll talk about the defense next because it is interesting with this defensive turnaround. We'll get to the offense as well in the third segment. But coming up next, though, the defensive resurgence and Melvin Ingram's importance mm. with this defense. What are you seeing from it? Because right now we're seeing, well, it was bend but don't break last night. <laughs> we saw 20-play drive or 20, end up with no points. Anyway, there's a lot to get to with the Chiefs defense with Nate Taylor next. You're listening to the Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Snap to Bridgewater. Back to throw against the pocket. Deflected, intercepted. Intercepted by Sorensen at the 40. He's at the 50 and breaks a tackle. Sorensen at the 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Kansas City. The second consecutive year that Dirty Dan Sorensen has had a pick six against the Broncos. You talk about, you know, the defense in this turnaround they've had where all of a sudden we're talking about this defense going mm-hmm. forward. Then there's Dirty Dan, who's still hovering at the 49-50% mark, even though he dipped down earlier. That's fine. More of a nickel linebacker. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. His role. yeah. No, Dirty Dan's tied with Marcus Peters since 2016 for most pick sixes. There's Dirty Dan right there in that conversation. But obviously, there's a huge touchdown for the Kansas City Chiefs, just kind of icing the game away. But he's a reclamation project for this defense. People were down. Even Andy Reid mentioned after the game that people were we're down on Dirty Dan, which means he listens. <laughs> including, means he, he listens. including us. <laughs> but they had to find a role for him. Yes. Is Juan Thornhill enter, enter, the, uh, yes. enter the equation yes. for the Chiefs? What do you make of it now? I mean, this is three straight or four straight less than 10 points a game. Are, are they as good as the way they're playing? Because Are teams worried too much about the offense of the Kansas City Chiefs and not paying as much attention to this defense? It's a combination of everything you just mentioned. It It is... Honestly, Jay, it is one of the most remarkable turnarounds I've ever seen covering professional sports or just sports in general uh, as a reporter where uh, in the in September they were the worst defense. And, you know, uh, Dirty Dan, Dan Sorensen, had developed a new reputation as the guy who had given up 
uh, the most big highlight touchdown, you know, type plays uh, for the opposing team. And, and for, I mean, it was, it was, it was an interesting uh, sort of cap to a really impressive performance to where the most, as I wrote in the athletic, you know, the most embattled player of the season makes the game's biggest play. And, uh, you know, we could both do it here in the studio where Dan Sorensen is celebrating with the football, you know, over his head and waving it back and forth. Like as Mitch Holtz has said, as, as, you know, as like a trophy, but it's, it's, it's honestly, um, fascinating to know that yes, they got healthy and yes, teams are, are concerned, right? I mean, Vic Fangio and the Broncos coaching staff kind of took everything they had in that 20 play drive and, and used it to move that ball down the field. Fourth down three times was last time. That didn't come to fruition, so they go on a 20-play drive and no points. No points. But they did go for it on fourth and one. Mm-hmm. They did go for it on fourth and seven. Honey Badger was asked about teams and their propensity. And keep in mind, the Broncos are very good at going for it on fourth. They were 10 to 15 going into that game, something that they've actually used their advantage. Teams still respect our offense, you know, so they don't necessarily want to give those guys another chance to, you know, to score a touchdown. So we know every time we get in these games, no matter really what the opponent is, uh, we know it could be four down territory. Let's think about it. I mean, I know teams spend so much time worrying about concoctions or two high safeties to stop Patrick Mahomes in the mm-hmm. offense. Is that serving the team well that they're concentrating so much on Patrick that they're kind of forgetting about this three and out defense? Well, coaches usually, uh, and you know this, Jay, when they game plan for a certain opponent, they like to look at, hey, give me the last four games, maybe the last six games. And, you know, we're getting into that. We're getting into that window where, hey, man, that tape you were reviewing in September, you, you can throw it out. It doesn't matter anymore. You know, Legereus Need is playing better. Traverius Ward wasn't on the field for much of that time. He's playing better. Melvin Ingram wasn't even on the team. So you're right. Co- coaching staffs, particularly the Raiders, considering that they are one of these teams in this six-game stretch where the defense has played so well, they're going to have to adjust their – their play calling, their strategy, um, how aggressive they want to be, because um, we all know that the easiest path to, to to competing against the Chiefs and perhaps upsetting them is with touchdowns. So I don't I don't mind Vic Fangio's decision to go for it on fourth down. Uh, I didn't love the play call necessarily, where it's a it's a run up the middle and and it was somewhat predictable from the from the Chiefs defensive perspective. And well, the fans have been even hammering them to run the football. Well, I mean, give, they, they ran them to the side of the game. <laughs> give credit to to Jaron Reed who who blew up the play and, and Willie Gay who got the tackle for loss to to end the drive. I mean, it's but it's one of those confidence boosters where if you can stop somebody on a twenty play drive where they feel like the drive has to end in a touchdown, um, that is going to serve you well for bigger games down the road and in the postseason where you're going to be putting those scenarios anyway, you know, to keep your season going. So I, I, I. I'm just, again, impressed. It's a remarkable turnaround. Obviously, Dan Sorensen has found his role, his niche, and it started to play better, um, and it's shown real improvement. And I, I'm, I'm at some point, Jay, I think Willie Gay is going to actually catch a Paul and have his own pick six because every every game he's well, they all, dropped about three interceptions. He's always night. around the ball. I mean, Alex Okafor had a chance for an pick interception. Oh, which, that would have been a big time there, which, which could have been a pick six too. Javarius uh, Ward got his hand on the ball. The, the thing that impresses me so much is they're winning on first down. And part of that is because of this defensive line where Melvin Ingram uh, has opened up things for Chris Jones in the middle to get back to his you know natural position as a defensive tackle. Frank Clark has 
been rejuvenated, which I wrote last week in The Athletic. Just his pressure rate is up because he's facing a little bit more one-on-one opportunities. And Jaron Reed, who's got the system down, who seems to be in better game shape uh, in his first year with the Chiefs as a free agent acquisition, uh, he, he's, he saved his best football for the most important time of the year, which has been November and December. And so those four guys with, with Spagnuolo's blitz scheme in behind it has really uh, allowed Ingram to be sort of a, a catalyst, a, a spark plug, whatever you know way you want to describe it. He, he's opened up for the rest of the defensive line to all play their spots so, so well. And the secondary played brilliantly, and that's without Thinton. He's arguably their their best cover corner at this point. Yes. He doesn't play. They still stayed up and go. But Melvin Ingram seems to be a big catalyst in all this, especially with Jaron Reed. Mm -hmm. Like, Jaron Reed's really shown up at least the last three games since Melvin Ingram. Since Melvin Ingram's been in the the, We talked about it. He he drew the double team in Vegas where Reed got his sack. Yep. And then he parlayed it to a half sack. But he's been noticeable. Mm Mm-hmm. He's even using spin moves now to to get pressure on Teddy Bridgewater. Has Melvin helped him that much? Do you think he's been the biggest difference? I mean, you talk about trade deadline deals that teams make. Where would you put the Melvin Ingram deal with the Kansas City Chiefs to come in here to kind of be that guy they need? He's obviously the missing piece that they wanted going back to July. Or back in the May, in in April, and free agency. They tried for Melvin, didn't work out. And there was a talk, you know, and people wanted Justin Houston and all that. I want Melvin Ingram, and he decided to sign with the Steelers, but... That much of an impact for Melvin Ingram, do you think? Think about it from this perspective, Jay. The Chiefs signed Josh Gordon, and I wrote and thought at the time, wow, this is a move out of pure desperation. And we know what's going on with the wide receiver group with McCole Hardman snaps being down and Josh Gordon being up, even though he hasn't done much from a production standpoint. And we we sort of argued at the time, or we sort of argued on behalf of perhaps fans, our, our listeners, uh, anybody in Kansas City, Hey, hey, the the, the problem, the, the bigger problems on defense. And I don't think at the time the Chiefs knew that Melvin Gordon would would necessarily be available at the trade deadline, but the circumstances of them needing an extra defender to, as we mentioned before, you know, kind of get Chris Jones to play more from the interior. Um it's it is it might be honestly the biggest acquisition before the trade deadline this year. It could be bigger than what the team got out of Mike Pinnell when he was a integral cog in the middle in the 2019 season that ended in the championship. Obviously, they acquired uh, Terrell Suggs off the waiver wire in December of that season because they needed an extra guy. But but at that point, Terrell Suggs was was you know in the last chapter of his career. Um, Melvin Ingram has the smarts and the ability, and look, he's just a veteran leader that. Uh, I think has motivated his teammates because, and I always try to tell fans this, yes, giving up future draft picks is is kind of risky, but when a front office does that for a player that the guys in the locker room know, oh, he has been good. He's been a pro bowler. He's been a guy that has harassed the quarterback. He's got several, you know, pass rushing moves, and he's a veteran who, you know, can set the edge and defend the run at a high level. Uh, those guys see that move, and they get a bit of juice from it. They now know, hey, the front office is just in the same situation where we are, but we want to win. This will help us win. If the guy comes in like Melvin Ingram and learns the system very well, performs at a high level, and just gets better as the whole core group sort sorts of builds its chemistry, sorts of, um, you know, 
gets their if they just they just really fine tuned everything, and so yeah, he is he is a. I'm not saying he's the straw that stirs the drink, but he is a essential part of the cocktail. That's the defense. Coming up next, though, we'll take a look at the offense. Yeah, Nate Taylor asked Andy Reid a really good question of the day. A uh, two-part question, kind of, a, mm-hmm. as far as the strategy involved, the ratio uh, to how much he tries to fix mistakes and puts a game plan in together. We got that for you next on the Nate Taylor Show. You're listening to the Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely frustrated in the way that I'm playing. I feel like there's, I'm leaving just too much stuff out there on the field. Um, I, I, I still feel like um, we're finding different ways to win, which is all obviously uh, good to have. Because when you're in December and when you're in January and hopefully February, uh, you have to find every single way to win a football game. Um, and I think we're doing that. And so uh, definitely you're optimistic about how the whole entire team's playing. But as, as far as myself, I think I could play a lot better, which could help out the team even more. Patrick Mahomes was on with Carrington Harrison on the drive today at 2.15. The quarterback's on there every single Monday. You can hear from Patrick Mahomes on demand, 610sports.com. He's taking the blame, said he could play better. Obviously, the drop passes not helping him. Terry Kill had a couple. Kelsey mm-hmm. had one. Uh, Byron Pringle had a big one. Kelsey and Hill, 5 for 49, 13 targets. Clyde and Darrell, 6 for 88 on just six targets. I mean, they found another way to do it. Yeah. They found a way to skid a cat. You know what I mean? It was still the running backs out of the backfield. Daryl Williams, RB2 and wide receiver three. <laughs> do you think there's fundamental problems? Because we expecting more coming out of the bye week. Yeah. We're expecting them kind we of were. to clean things up from the yeah. bye week. So kind of where are you at with that? The drop passes, obviously, you know, Reed brings it up. They all bring it up. He's, made, he, he's a little bit frustrated because he hates – Drop passes. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. You get in his doghouse really quick that way. But he needs these players, too. <laughs> the ones that are dropping it. Like, he needs it to facilitate yeah. the, this offense. Did you see anything with the offense with those drive killers? Because I know the week before, they were driving down the field. Ball bounced out of, out of Kelsey's hands. It was, yep. it was a tour to pick. Would have been, uh, who knows if the Chiefs scored a touchdown on that one. Hard to say. Whether mm-hmm. they would or not, if they did leave uh, you know an extra point and the field goal off the board in that game where they could have scored more points. What's your concern level with the offense, or do you think it's a matter of – because they have worked on the turnovers. Do you think catching the football, or do you think the offense didn't show you what you wanted to see? Yeah, the the offense, uh, to Andy Reid's point last night, did just enough. Um, It's just – in a year that's been very confusing throughout the NFL or bizarre or just – out of the ordinary uh, from what we all came into the season expecting it's there's two things, you know, they still have Patrick Mahomes. They still have the best quarterback on the field. So you can always take that into the game uh, and have some confidence in knowing that you should uh, move the football. The chiefs, especially having a bye week and an extra week to prepare for this game against the Broncos. uh, They did go out and have a crisp, smooth, 12-play drive that ended in a touchdown to start the game. Uh, Jay, the Chiefs lead the league in opening and point scoring points on their opening drive with 47 this, this season. Um, and so of late, they've actually done really well with their 15-play script that everybody knows involving Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, Mike Kafka, Patrick Mahomes, of course. But at some point in that second quarter, 
perhaps even in the third quarter, uh, we thought the issue a month ago was we said cut the turnovers down. One turnover a game for every game for the rest of the season, I'm giving the Chiefs the advantage to win. I, I expect the Chiefs to win. Well, now they've cut the turnovers down, so congratulations to them. But the only reason why they're having turnovers right now is because they're they're second in the league in drop passes. Uh, and this is a statistic from Pro Football Focus. Uh, the only team worse at dropping a pass that can be completable is the New York Jets. And mm. ladies and gentlemen, you don't want to be no. anywhere near the Jets in any statistical category this season. No. They've had 28 drops. Uh, Tyreek Hill has had nine on his own. And so the it's it's interesting to me that yes it will the statistic will end up on Patrick Mahomes's page right his you know NFL.com page his Pro Football Reference page you know Chiefs.com whatever but the interceptions the last two games uh, the one that goes through Kelsey's hand to start the third quarter which I believe if they score a touchdown there that game is more of a blowout the one uh, before yes yeah against against the Cowboys Cowboys and then last night as the team is sort of driving again in the opponent's territory, uh, the ball is catchable for Tyreek Hill, and it, and it just lands in Patrick Sertan's hands because it's a drop pass or a tip ball um, that we've seen Tyreek Hill make. So um, every couple of weeks, Jay, we, we sort of notice, hey, this is the, the one thing that's maybe taking this offense from being great, a 30-point-a-game a sort of unit to, like, maybe it's the turnovers. Well, now the quarterback's in a slump. Well, the newest thing is um, their quarterback has been accurate. He's had better pocket awareness. He's delivered the ball on time, all this being Patrick Mahomes. And now his teammates are kind of in a slump because they're not catching the football at a high enough level. Yeah, it's really hurting this offense. You had a chance to ask Andy Reid, I thought, a really interesting question today that involved about maximizing weaknesses and game planning for the next game, where do you kind of fall in line? And keep in mind, the bye week provided you know a chance for you to for look some through of his weaknesses yeah. and carrying the script over. We've talked about that. Here's your question to Coach Reed. Hey, Andy, I have two questions for you. The first is, um, when you get into the middle of the season, say starting in October, can you explain the ratio of coaching to minimize your team's weaknesses versus uh, coaching for that week's opponent in terms of game plan, how you sort of weigh those two things, and then Brad will have a follow-up. Yeah, so um, you, you try to coach and fast forward, I think you'd say, um, of what you've got your team doing, but at the same time, make sure the fundamentals are right, um, you know, going against whatever team that you're playing. So we, we spend a lot of time on getting ready for, <clears throat> getting ready for uh, the Raiders this week and um, and so what you do, Nate, is you're going to take your player's strengths and you're going to try to utilize those, put them in positions where you can utilize those matchups. All those things are important uh, the best you can. Uh, defensively, you're going to try to find, again, matchups are important and how are you going <clears> to, <throat> where are you going to put people and then make sure they're fundamentally sound in those positions. Keep working on those things that maybe they need work on and, and then let's go. Is it kind of what you're looking for with the maximizing, you know, taking a look at what's not working, the yeah. maximizing the mistakes, how much tension to the Raiders when you, you try to clean up your mess, mm -hmm. where you look at the Raiders, where you looking at? 
Ladies and gentlemen, that that's one of the more expansive answers you're going to get out, yeah, of, yeah. out of Andy Reid in a in a regular season. It's like a full-minute answer. Yeah, and, and very detailed too, right? Yeah. Um, it's fascinating to me because he basically explained to you, and as we mentioned earlier in the show, because you know you're facing three straight divisional opponents, you, you can work in fast forward to where, okay, our scheme matches up well with their scheme, but we also can't lose sight of the fundamentals. And so I think what's concerning is, uh, I know the Chiefs kind of went back to the basics to start last week's practice, you know, in terms of how they were getting ready for last night's game. And so uh, for Andy Reid and the coaching staff, in, in particular with these drops, uh, they're going to have to continue to sort of minimize that weakness now. The, the, there's, you know, they had weaknesses on defense. The coaching staff minimized those and improved those as the season went along, while also game planning ahead for whoever the next opponent or opponents were. Because you faced the Raiders before, there's a little bit of a familiarity. Uh, what worked in the first game, what didn't. So you Which can everything did <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so you can you can work fast forward. Now uh, it's one of those weeks where you wouldn't say this normally, Jay, but in week 14 of an NFL season in December, uh, cleaning up some of the fundamentals and sort of minimizing that weakness may be more you know, impactful than whatever scheme, you know, they've done. They've, they've scouted the Raiders. They've self-scouted themselves, obviously, to them by, during the bye week. So I just thought it was a very good answer. I, I, I'm glad we could share that uh, with our listeners because you're trying to do two things at, at once, and that's very hard to do when you're trying to get 53 guys on a roster to, 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 to get better as the season goes along. But, hey, that's a weakness. Hey, we need to clean this up. Andy Reid always says we need to clean something up and – he says, we're going to work on catching the football until we get it right. So that's your fundamental for this week while also saying, okay, what can we show the Raiders that's a little bit different in the rematch? Junior Hemingway comes to mind. You know why? Early on with Andy Reid when he was here, which, by the way, what a, what a, what a great reference. What, what, a, what, a, what a number he's got to be. Five straight games he's done now, nine straight years <laughs> that he's been with the Kansas City Chiefs. Unbelievable. Yep. But Junior Hemingway was one of those guys, right, with the Kansas City Chiefs early on with Andy Reid. Back in 13 and 14, he made the rush because he kept, caught the ball. <laughs> he couldn't do a lot of it, but he caught the football. <laughs> so Andy Reid kept him on. This is your time to ask Nate Taylor some questions on the J. Southland Toe Service text line, 913-576-7610. If you have a question for Nate, uh, obviously this Bills and Patriots game is interesting for the landscape of the AFC. We'll talk about that, plus the Raiders next. You're listening to The Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to The Nate Taylor Show. Follow him on Twitter at ByNateTaylor. Patriots up 8 to nothing. They go for 2. Brandon Bolden gets a 2-point conversion. 8 to nothing. although it's getting interesting here. Not sure if it's a buff punt or not by the Bills, but uh, AFC picture. The Patriots sit as the number one seed. They have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs, the Ravens, and Titans based on best winning percentage in the AFC. Is this the uh, best or second best team in the AFC, the Patriots? Didn't seem like we spent enough time talking about them to begin the season. No, we did not. But Mac Jones reminds me of Tom Brady early on when Mm -hmm. he was all about defense. Yep. Game manager, control the ball. Go with that defense before, you know, the Randy Monster and everybody else in the offense opened up for the Patriots. Reminds me of that team a lot. Yeah, it, they, they really do. And um, we didn't talk about the Patriots enough just because I thought Mac Jones would have um, 
a, a season more in line with most rookie NFL starting quarterbacks where you just learn a lot through, you know, experiences that are mostly uh, not successful. Um, but this is this season is is reminding most fans that Bill Belichick is really, really good at this. Like, he's really a really good coach. He's great. Um, you know, the two best coaches in the AFC are Andy Reid and Bill Belichick. Uh, it's a, basically a pick your flavor, pick your style, your preference, of course. Um, Tom Brady is no longer with uh, with Bill Belichick, but, you know, Patrick Mahomes is entering his prime with Andy Reid. Uh, I, I sat on The Athletic uh, last night because, you know, we do these recaps after – after the Sunday night game, where you're like, hey, what did we learn? What's new? Uh, how does the playoff picture look a little bit different? Um, and I said the two teams that I would trust right now are the Patriots and the Chiefs. And By so the way, the Bills just scored. They did. So they 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 capitalized on the on the muff punt um with a quick touchdown strike. So I I get the sense that, and as I said in the athletic, I think the team that I trust the most right now is the Patriots just because their defense is playing just a hair bit better than the Chiefs' defense. Um, and they face a little bit of, you know, I, I, I want to give I, – I just want to give Belichick uh, a ton of credit for what he's done with this roster, in particular with a rookie starting quarterback. Spent $137.5 million, second most ever in free agency. Yeah. They, is he pissed about Tom Brady? Let's be honest. Uh, the Barstool debate, Tom or, yes. or, 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 Bill. or Bill. Yeah, Tom wins one without him. Yeah, right away. Yeah, and you know the and the and the Patriots could have won that game against the Buccaneers earlier. I really could have this season. So yeah, um, I know what a lot of people want to see is the Super Bowl between Bill and mm-hmm, the Bucks. Of course, mm-hmm. we want to see the Chiefs. I, I want to see the Chiefs I, and Packers, but yeah, I, I well, I would like to see Chiefs and Patriots. Um, no matter where it's played, obviously, if the Chiefs host the AFC Championship this year, it would be the fourth straight year. That's never happened before in the conference history. Um, so history would suggest that somebody's going to host the AFC Championship game uh, and that it won't be an Arrowhead Stadium. But it would be fascinating if, if the Chiefs, as the reigning AFC champions, uh, would go up to Foxborough for another just January Classic, uh, with again, with a rookie starting quarterback. I mean, it's really hard to be this competitive uh with that sort of important piece to your roster. Um, but the two teams that I trust the most right now are the Chiefs and the Patriots because their roster is full of guys who have been champions, who've played in January, and who understand what it takes to, to win the most important game of the season. Here's a question to Nate Taylor. Nate from 816. Thanks for sending your question. Nate, yes. do you feel that Andy is playing more conservative because mm. our Dean plays so well? Do you believe uh, come playoff team is when we'll see the creativity we're used to seeing? The, the, All uh, the end of the first half. Yes. Minute nine, two yes. timeouts. Well. Exhibit A. Our defense did just stop them when they tried everything for 20 plays if, to if get the down the field. wasn't playing well, they tried to move that ball. I they? think I think you are right. And I and I appreciate the, the texture from the 816 um, because – I, I've started asking myself this. If you rewatch some of these games of, of recent weeks, the Chiefs offense is at its most create as its most create creative either in the first opening play, 15 play script, or within the red zone. Uh last night they didn't show a ton of new things uh from my vantage point in the press box where it was a new formation or a new personnel. Obviously McCole Hartman didn't. It's play one thing the Broncos are actually worried about because Ed Donatello, their defensive coordinator, was saying that that hey. 
they like to let the players come up with these these plays. Yes. We're going to be ready for yeah. it. Today. There's uh-huh. a lot of uh, pre-motion stuff. Yeah, and, and so they, they, I think they have sort of – they're starting to develop things, I think, for later on in the season. I think Andy Reid was a little bit conservative or just, hey, uh, our team is winning right now because of our defense, so let's, let's rely on them. Where I, I don't know if conservative is the right word to describe it, um, but I do get the sense that – uh, in big-time games when you know you're playing tough competition, say the Bills, say the Patriots, say uh, you know the Baltimore Ravens, if you get in a rematch with them, they are going to probably show more creative play calling uh, that they hope will give them the upper hand so that their players can go execute. But again, no matter if it's a dull play, a creative play, a trick play, if Patrick Mahomes delivers it on time and accurately, uh, the Chiefs will win if, 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 if Byron Pringle Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Michael Harmon. If they all catch the ball, I think this offense will get back on track. But Andy Andy understood that uh, Teddy Bridgewater was not going to get chunk plays any time in that game. No, he did. Here's, here's Patrick Mahomes uh, when he was with Carrington on the drive earlier. He explained what was going through the offense's mind when they had the ball with the minute nine. Mm. And they had two timeouts. Yeah, well, with the situation and with the wind blowing against us, we knew that we were going to have to get pretty pretty far into the red zone to, to get in the, the range to have a real legitimate chance at a field goal. So we were we didn't want to give them the ball and give them the, the win where they could get points and knowing that we got the ball coming out of half. So we wanted to run the ball, and, and we were hoping with the run play that we'd get a, a little bit of a bigger chunk uh, of yards there. And if we got a bigger chunk of the yards, uh, then we would kind of get into that two-minute mode. But we – they, they played a good defense, made a good play, and kind of stuffed us there. So at, after that point, we were kind of in that mode where we were trying to run the timeout. And uh, we got it down enough, but we, we wish we at least got at least one first down to kind of end the possession with the ball. I want to see him do something with the ball because if, if the Broncos are going to win the toss and take the ball, make him pay at the end of the half and then mm-hmm. get the ball to be right. in the second half. That's that's what I want to see and, in this situation. And Andy Reid uh, has said at several points this season, one of the reasons why they just – why they defer if they win the coin toss is, hey, we will likely get the ball last in the first half. Let's score a field goal there or a touchdown, and then let's double up with the touchdown to come out of the opening. It's playing mad, man. The opening part of the third quarter. So it it is it's it's fascinating again in this bizarro season where the coaching says, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to double up at the end of the half and at the start of the second half. <laughs> All right, we're just gonna take it in into the locker room, boys. Like it's just, you know, but uh, people change. You know, people, people. You know, the circumstances were a little bit different, so they're like, ah. Well, we we do. I mean, we still get the ball to start the third quarter. Yeah. So I mean, like, but you can do something with it when you get it. Eh, <laughs> put that pressure on you. You got to do just something. Just get it with to it. halftime. Teddy Teddy hasn't done anything to, to scare us yet. Yeah. Before we get out of here, we have better better than it left. What was the most ridiculous call? The Hitchens blindside block or Mahomes false start? It's not the football I grew up on, Jay. Uh, it's not. When it's, when it's an interception, put don't look your, at a guy and think of the blindside. Put your head on a swivel. No, you be staring at a guy. They both look at each other. Ah, it's football, man. It is. Ugh. It's football. And look, Anthony Hitchens, you live for those plays. No, oh, man. You live for People it. loved it. You live for the turnover. Let me find someone. <laughs> Good stuff. If you want to check this out on podcast, we'll podcast this bad boy uh, later on. Check it out. Thanks for listening. Nate and I will talk about the Raiders game and a quick turnaround for Monday night because yes, we get sir. the Chargers game on Thursday. But coming up next, you know you've had these takes all day. Whether you've been at the water cooler, if they still have those. 
Yeah, they do. Do you, you want to talk about the Chiefs and last night? Last night you up late with me. Well, Dusty Likens, Nick Price, Red Reaction next. <laughs> 